Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to our Monday night live cast. I'm Andrew Womack. I've got our chief counsel here, Richard Harris, with us. And tonight we have a guest that we've had on before, and I met Andrea Williams back, I think it was in 2018, when she came to one of our ministers' conferences in the UK. And she's going to join us live in a few minutes. Over in the UK, it's 1 a.m. So, <laughs> man, I thought I had a long day. Andrea yeah. is a blessing, and we really appreciate her being with us. But before we welcome her uh, to our program, we want Richard to share with you some things about things that are coming up, meetings. Uh, we've got a giveaway yes, and uh, our website and mm -hmm. just a lot of stuff. So this is Richard Harris. Thank you, Andrew. And we're so happy to have Andrea with us. She's a, a, just an amazing uh, warrior for Christ in the UK. And thank you to all of you for watching uh, the show uh, tonight. And wanted to mention that it is an interactive process. So be sure to post your questions and your uh, comments there in our chat uh, feature on the comment section on there or on Facebook. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, again, we encourage you to watch directly on our website at truthandliberty.net because you won't get censored there with YouTube. Uh, it seems to happen uh, pretty frequently. So be sure to watch directly on our website. And again, uh, a lot of resources there under the resources tab and the research center on truthandliberty.net. I wanted to mention a couple new ones for you. Uh, Standing with you, pregnancy resources. I believe that's published by Students for Life. And uh, what, a, what a great resource that is for anyone who's facing uh, uh, unplanned pregnancy, or perhaps you know someone is who is. And then also we've got a link on there for a video, uh, how they did it with uh, Catherine Engelbrecht at True the Vote and Greg Phillips as they are interviewed over what they discovered in the 2020 election. And also you may have heard about the 2000 Mules movie that is out. I think we have a link on the site how you can get an opportunity to watch that as well. And that's just critical information for every American to know right now. Coming up here uh, um, with Andrew's ministry and, and AWM. Andrew's going to be in Fayetteville, Georgia this coming weekend, uh, ministering along with John Graves, Mario Murillo, and E.W. Jackson there at Awakening 2022. So if you are in that area, or even if you're not, you want to travel to see all of those amazing speakers, then uh, you can register at awmi.net slash events. Uh, July 4th is around the corner. It's like a month away now. And uh, one of our favorite uh, events of the year is the In God We Trust performance, a fantastic musical that celebrates America's godly heritage. And it is an awesome show. I promise you, you'll be on your feet or crying one or the other or both. Oh, it's awesome. It is. Followed up by the Summer Family Bible Conference, which is a great time for the whole family to come out and get refreshed by the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God and fellowship with like-minded believers. So check all that out on awmi.net slash events. And then uh, the Healing is Here Conference, one of the biggest of the year here. And uh, um, it's not too soon to start making your plans for that. August 9th through the 12th here in Woodland Park, Colorado. 
And I want to go, it's already on my list, so I'm going to mention it. Truth and Liberty Conference, September uh, 8th through the 10th, right before the 9-11 holiday. Uh, this is going to be an awesome event. We have uh, so many speakers, I can't even begin to name them all, but everybody from Pastor Rob McCoy to E.W. Jackson to Mario Barilla to Lauren Bobert to Andrew, uh, I think I might get a word in there somewhere. It, you and, will. And, and it's going to be amazing. So check that out on our website, register today. Um, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I know you probably get a bunch of emails, but this one is worth getting because we provide you with all kinds of resources, uh, information, and blogs that are going to help you be equipped to stand up for truth in the public square. So go to our website and uh, just click on subscribe, share your email with us, and we'll send, we'll put your name in a hat and you'll be eligible to receive a free gift in the mail. This week, uh, the product is Andrew's book, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, combining two powerful forces to receive from God. It seems like most, uh, most people talk about grace and some people talk about faith, but you never hear how they are actually uh, combined together to uh, really be the, the true and proper gospel and uh, awesome book. And then uh, I wanted to mention as well that uh, we do what we do here at Truth and Liberty. We are making a difference. A lot of it is behind the scenes, and we can't talk about some of it, but we are out there mobilizing the church, and we need your help to do that. And if you want to be a part of making a difference in our culture and nation, you can become a member of Truth and Liberty really easily. Just go on our website uh, to the donate page and sign up to be a recurring donor, uh, $5 or more per month, and you'll be a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, we'll send you a free copy of this pamphlet in the mail, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and Andrew's Declaration of Dependence Upon God and the Holy Bible. This is a pocket tool for you to carry around, and you can always have the Constitution and the Declaration there uh, at your disposal. So we really appreciate our members and encourage you to become a member. Just mention that's not tax deductible, though, that gift, because we're a 501c4 organization. Last uh, prayer, if you need someone to agree with you in prayer, um, I, I uh, walked by the prayer center today, and I tell you, it is chock full of these on-fire, Word of God trained men and women of God who are there to agree with you and join their faith with yours, and miracles come out of there every day, Andrew. So call in 719-635-1111, and I promise you will be blessed. I walk by there and see people just standing up and binding the devil and rebuking and ministering the love of God, and it's Amen. just awesome. Amen, it is We awesome. had, I think it was last month, we had 82,000 calls, and our wow. highest month was back in March, and that was 86,000 calls. So, wow. I tell you, lots of people's lives are being changed. And we're going to be talking about some things tonight that I'm sure you may have some questions about or it may uh, spark something in you. And if you would like prayer or more ministry on it, uh, those people are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we'd love to have you call in. All right, so we've got Andrea Williams with us. She is a barrister, or do you say barista? Or <laughs> well, I don't know. She's a lawyer in the UK. And uh, I met her back in 2018, and she came and spoke about what her ministry is doing. She's got, uh, what is it, Christian Concern and also Christian Legal Center. And she's fighting the battle in the UK on uh, all of this liberal, uh, ungodly, um, antichrist is what it is yes, stuff. It is. And she was just fired up, and she fired up the pastors and challenged them because they weren't doing anything. And man, I fell in love with her right away when I heard all of that. So she's been with us before, and welcome back, Andrea. Thank you for being with us this morning, your time. I'm so, I'm so delighted to be here, even though it is the middle of the night. <laughs> and that, that's just a measure of how much I wanted uh, to be with you, because since meeting you, 
Andrew. It's really been my delight to really follow um, this one, this wonderful ministry, this wonderful Truth and Liberty ministry. That, um, that just those numbers that you were talking about just then, 86, 87,000 uh, calls coming in uh, to the centre. Absolutely amazing. But seeing men and women of God fired up, believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by prayer, lives and hearts and minds will be changed. And that's what we want to see, isn't it? It's a great awakening. Amen. And I'm so delighted that you're talking about that. They're already in the States. This third great awakening is something that we've seen. But I'm longing for that here in the United Kingdom. In my, in the, in the, where God has placed me, I'm longing to see the same thing. Amen. So uh, first, all, first of all, uh, the people who watch this, we have people watch all over the world, but I would say the majority of them are from the U.S., uh, kind of give us a summary of where uh, the UK is from my perspective and I'll and if I'm wrong you can correct me but it seems like that America and the UK are kind of moving in the same direction away from God but the UK seems to be about 10 or 15 years ahead of us in that process what's your assessment what's happening over there in the UK I think that that's Right. I think your assessment is absolutely right. I think before I would have said that we were further ahead uh, of, uh, in terms of decline than you are. I, I feel, and I still feel, that the, the Christian resistance or the Christian voice is stronger within the United States than it is here in the United Kingdom. And that's really wonderful to see. And I'm praying that we do see in America that great um, awakening that you've talked about, that we do see uh, the name of Jesus Christ lifted high um, in these up upcoming elections and that we will see a turning back uh, to God. Because I'm, I'm wondering, you know, um, if, if Europe is lost, and I pray that Europe isn't lost, but if Europe is lost, um, then it's really vital that America stands as a great Christian nation in the West. Because for the West to be lost to the gospel, is an utter tragedy for the world. That would be um, terrible. And I'm not, I'm not speaking as if Britain is already lost, because I, I'm really believing for our nation and believing that we will yet see a great repentance from the church in our nation, because the church that has been so mightily blessed over centuries, the church that is infused into our culture, and we've seen that even this weekend with the Queen's Jubilee. Um, we still see the, the history playing out and the heritage playing out. But I feel as if we've taken that for granted. We don't no longer understand it. And we certainly no longer live by it. And the laws that we are making have deeply accelerated through uh, the COVID crisis in terms of moving against God's laws, God's principles, God's goodness, and God's beauty for society. Well, you know, here in the U.S., all of this COVID pandemic kind of uh, brought out uh, the difference between people that are really committed Christians and we're going to stand and fight and those that were just Christian in name only. So you can see a separation happening here. Have you seen that in the U.K.? Are there Christians that have been motivated and standing up or what's happening? It was my absolute privilege and delight um, to 
the the uh, legal team that was behind um, a group of brave and courageous pastors that from the get-go understood that the government's um, edict to close churches, to close the doors of churches, was something that they could would be unwilling to obey. But mm. that was an overreach of government because um, it was it was it, it was it, it would simply um, be moving into a sphere that they didn't have permission to go into. Mm-hmm. And so the the, the, mm-hmm. pastor, the pastors that understood that and resisted it from the start have. Um, I would say they. I, I view them as they, I view them as if they were Gideon's army in mm-hmm. our in our nation. But the truth is that they were. It was not a popular stance, and there were many uh, pastors and church leaders that were wholly compliant and even went further than the government um, government asked them to do. And of course, this is very serious. This this in many ways is very serious indeed because the shutting of the churches. Um, was a moment in our was a moment in our history when when the nation was hurting. You know, not even in world wars but we closed our doors. But that was something that happened. So to fight that democratic principle of the church's freedom to be independent from the state was an absolutely vital one, and one which, in the end, we won um, through the Scottish uh, through the case that we brought in Scotland. Oh wow! So how did that work? You were you were representing these pastors. How did they win? Did the government? Uh rescind their order for churches not to meet? Well, in England, that was the, the, in England and Wales, we brought the legal challenge. Um, By bringing the legal challenge in England and Wales, we applied such pressure to the government that they permitted us to reopen. On the very final day of us actually, uh, at the the deadline of us um, issuing proceedings for judicial review of the legislation, the, the government decisions that the government were making the government backed down and permitted us to open the churches so that was the first thing we did was simply by t- taking the legal case by being present we applied such pressure to the government that they then backed down at the at the 11th hour before we brought the legal proceedings in scott they said that they wouldn't close the churches again but in fact they did and so when they again when they when they, they again um, brought the legal challenge, but this time in the Scottish jurisdiction, because the Scottish jurisdiction was going further than the English and Welsh jurisdiction, and that one, that course went that went to the um, to the um, fully fully into trial, and there, Judge Braid, he made it clear that this was a, an interference with. Um, church governance that it was uh, that it was overreached by the state, and if the gov- if, and if the state were actually allowing cinemas to open and juries to sit in cinema buildings and government to operate, then why would they close the churches? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think that one of the greatest, and you will, I'm sure, will have felt this in in the states as well. Um, one of the great, one of the things that's most extraordinary about all, about that whole period is that in many ways it was a judgment on the church. How could it be that the church was relegated to a non-essential status? Yeah. We were seen as if we were a club, when in fact um, we are, we're the spiritual healing house, we are yeah. the hope of the world, but we were relegated uh, 
to to this kind of sub essential status and there was such a lack of understanding by the government and by the official bodies of the need for spiritual and holistic care such as the state of the nation um, and so the church is there by saying yes it's the, the right thing is to close because we are we too are fearful as opposed to saying we are the place that is open for the lost for the lonely for the hurt uh, they said we will close uh, we will close our doors um and it was really out of fear of death yeah but of course the, and that what we saw the churches the pastors that were prepared to challenge the closing of the churches were the ones that were very often operating in the hardest sectors of society one of them i always been saying this i have buried 14 drug addicts in the last months and not one person by covid and this i mean these things are real we um we had pictures of riot vans going into churches in our country with with tasers uh, to stop the services we had and i always remember there's a, a lady aged 83 standing outside a church saying this is my church this is my family this is my home if you close this church i am all alone there's nowhere else for me to go i mean how mm. just imagine how many people were like that during covid and the missed opportunity for the church well, you mentioned that there was some of the uh, church in uh, the UK that actually criticized those who stood up against this. So uh, have you seen a split in the body of Christ over there? Is, uh, has some of the rejection and persecution come from the church, not only the government? Um, I think that is, I think that that is, I think that is their comment. Um, but what I'd say is that it precedes COVID because it's where do you understand the gospel truth to be under attack in our nation? And I think that what is really playing out over these, um, what now post, post COVID, but has been playing out for many years is this, where is God's word under attack? Well, it's Genesis 1. His very vision for family, his very vision for life, his very vision for the order of society um, and the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. And I think that the church has largely been on mute in our nation on the issue of the killing of our unborn children. Uh, we've had 10 million missing citizens in the United Kingdom since the passing of the Act in 1967. And it was during COVID that we loosened um, our abortion laws still further so that now you can just access abortion by telephoning uh, a provider and two pills are sent across, are sent, sent out to you. Mm -hmm. That's how uh, that happened during the pandemic because the abortion industry said it was too dangerous to go to a clinic, but it was fine for them to send pills for you to abort to kill your baby. So we've got these kind of anomalies, but still the church is silent. Still the church doesn't think that this is, is important. And we've also seen it around the issue of homosexuality, homosexuality in particular, gay marriage, um, and the and that infiltrating the churches and Christian institutions, our Christian schools. And so once upon a time, I said it was the the lobby groups themselves that would come 
against the Christian institutions. Then it was liberal Christians. But what I'm seeing post-COVID really clearly is that it's no longer the silence of evangelical brother. It's actually the evangelical brother against the brother. And the evangelical brother capitulating to the state agenda. And that is what really distresses me. But it's what we're warned about in Matthew 10, when Jesus says that brother will turn against brother. Um, and I'm finding that very hard to fathom, that those that really believe and are leaders in the moment of crisis allow the pride flag to fly. Well, in, and we're in, seeing uh, that in our question. And that, and I, and I don't know whether, where, how far you that's gone in, in in America, whether or not that's happening. But I want to, you know, I want to say, awake, awake and arise, um, because that is very painful. And of course, what the, that, that that evangelical brother has been largely saying to those of us that have been active in the public space uh, on these issues, um, they've been largely saying. We're doing gospel work. Leave us to do the gospel work. Um, we want the gospel to be winsome. Uh, they might, we might have a bit of an argument over whether these issues are primary issues or secondary issues, that kind of discussion. But what I'm now seeing, we've had these discussions, and they are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I have known some of them for 20, 30 years. But I'm seeing really clearly that when the crisis comes, when the moment comes to stand, that some surprising people bow the knee. Mm. And I suppose it has ever been thus. <laughs> um, but it hurts, and it's real. You know, I think that and one of the points... That's the warning, evangelical brother... One of the points you brought out is that this problem existed prior to the pandemic and everything, and it really is what you're saying. Those who will stand and fight because the gospel isn't just for uh, church. Man, we've got to be out in the public square. Jesus said we're the salt and the light of the earth, and we've got a lot of Christians that have been timid and shy and fearful, and that's the reason that we're in the problem. Yes, They're is. the ones that allowed the government to have this power that they never were granted. And like you were saying, we are essential and we should be in there. And man, this, this attitude of some Christians that just withdraw inside your four walls and leave the public alone, is that's the reason we're in the situation we're in. Well, hasn't it been it? Yeah, well, it's, it seems to me it's been uh, at work for maybe uh, over a hundred years. You know, this idea of secularizing. Oh, you know, you you don't have a right to speak up, and no Christmas displays in public, and all of these things year after year, and a little more, a little more. Take prayer out of schools, the Bible out of schools, on and on it goes. Um, is that what you've seen in the UK too? Is this radical secularization in the public life? Radical secularization in the public life. And this, again, from some Christian leaders, um, an acceptance of this, 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 this so-called idea of principled pluralism, that um, we should, it's, it's about freedom for all, and we've just got to be winsome enough um, for long enough in order for people to be persuaded. But secularism is not neutral. Secularism, in the end, punishes and wants to remove Christianity from the public space. 
and it's relentless in that. Um, and what you get with the hard secularists is not, it's not even just, they, they do not tolerate, they can't actually tolerate Christianity. Right. They cannot right. tolerate the manifestation of faith and they punish those that will speak. Yeah. So for the quiet Christian, and then most Christians um, become simply subdued. They think that they can't speak or, and they allow their faith to be privatized. But here what I want to say to you, Andrew and Richard, and to, and to the leaders across America, is that it, there's a sense in which the Christian in the pew feels powerless. And it's, it's the leaders that have bought into the secularization myth or the privatization of Christianity. And at the ones that act as gatekeepers to the congregations. Whereas what we need is the, the pastors and the ministers to train up and raise up the people into a great awakening, into a grand awakening, to be bold and fearless in the public space mm -hmm. and to be vocal and visible with their faith. Um, I mean, what, what, is it that, what is it that the state can do to us? They can take away our jobs. Um, they can, what can lobbies do to it? They can tell lies about us. They could, we've, we've had street preachers put into prison we're not yet getting killed in the United Kingdom. We have seen deaths. We see deaths every day across the world for people for their faith. But that's the worst that they can do to us. They can kill us, but we know where we're going. Amen. So what Amen. do we fear? Amen. And there's a sense, you know, and so... <laughs> you know, let me go back and borrow something from David Barton. You may not know him, Andrea, but he's a... Uh, an American historian, and I, in my estimation, one of the best. Yes. And he, he said that fundamentalism and evangelicalism, which most people would consider as mainstays in Christianity, it got started after the U.S. Civil War. And what happened was the, the pastors in the South were using Scripture and misusing Scripture yes. to justify slavery. And when they lost the Civil War, they had to adjust, and what they decided was they were just going to stick with fundamentals. That's where fundamentalism came from. And evangelicals, they were only going to evangelize, but they would not take a stand on social issues. And so it actually was a retreat from the way that the mm -hmm. gospel had been preached in the United States prior to that time. And they said, we're just going to stay within these boundaries. And that's when the decay uh, just begin to accelerate in the U.S. And I would suspect that maybe the reasoning was different. The circumstances might have been different, but it's the same thing in the U.K. They get criticized, and so they just say, we're only going to deal with these issues when the gospel demands that we go out and be the salt and the light and affect our culture, and the church has really missed it in this area. And I think that one of the, 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 the saddest things of all is that, you know, the state can tolerate a weak and ineffective church. The state can tolerate a church that won't confront the issues of the day. So, so long as the state doesn't speak about the killing of our unborn children, so long as the church doesn't speak about marriages between a man and a woman, doesn't speak of pornography and the sexual sin that is afflicting our society, that is a church that can be tolerated. That's a, that's a state church. Hmm. You know, that's... A, yes. that's that, and, and that's what, and, and, and indeed, in our Church of England, the Church of England for the, since 20, 2012 has been in a, in a discussion around what marriage is. 
sex. They still have not, cannot make a clear sound on what marriage is. But I don't want to just speak of the Church of England because, you know, where's the Baptist Union been in the United Kingdom? Where's the Free Church Movement been in the Church of, uh, in, in, in England? Where the Methodists are now blessing same-sex unions, the Church of Wales, the Church of Scotland. So we have a situation where many of our, the churches at a public level are, top, are welcoming, blessing same-sex unions. Do not say nothing about abortion. And so then those of us that do, um, so we are, are called the, an extreme fringe of Christianity. So when we go into court with, with a, um, with a doctor who has lost his job because he says that he cannot put on a medical form, but a man is a woman, or a biological man is a woman, or a biological woman is a man, we are put to prove um, on what Christianity says about men and women. And they said, but not all Christians believe that, do they? The Church of England uh, does not, has gender gender affirming liturgy gender change affirming liturgy which it does that's terrible and so then in the courtroom in the high court so we're standing there in front of the high court in the united kingdom and they say but you're not with the mainstream of the church of england even are you because this is what they they have liturgy for gender change they will say but the church of england is changing its mind on marriage, isn't it? So not all Christians believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Not you are an old-fashioned sort of Christian. You're a, a, that the cases that you represent or the people that you're representing are just now a small section. So suddenly they cannot even take judicial notice in the United Kingdom that Christians believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. We have to now bring evidence. And the other side brings evidence to show from the Church of England and from other theologians to say not all Christians believe this. Lots of Christians believe that marriage can be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. So within the official structures, we have to even argue theology in yeah. our courtrooms. Mm. Well, you know, Jesus said in his prayer right before his crucifixion, he prayed that the Father would make all the believers one so that the world might believe. If Christians were united... And if they were standing for what the Word says, the government, I don't think, would be able to overcome it. But mm. this division that you're describing, Andrea, is one of the reasons that they're able to write us off because Christians are turning against each other. You know, let me, let me ask you this question. Uh, it's my impression, like I said, that the U.K. and the U.S. are kind of heading in the same direction, but the U.K. has even seen more uh, decay than what the U.S. has. And if the U.S., uh, gives in and allows this ungodliness to persist, uh, it looks to me like we, that would just basically doom uh, Christianity and it would allow all this ungodliness to take over. What is the attitude of the UK people towards the US? Do they pay attention to what's happening here? Like we're probably this week going to get an opinion that may overturn Roe versus Wade and take away the constitutional right for abortion? Do, do the UK people pay attention? Are they aware of this? Yes, I did actually do some media rounds when that, when that, when the judgment was leaked. And so they do, and, um, and there is some hysteria 
around that that's that sort of, uh, here in the UK around that sort of decision. And I praise God for it, and, and it has a massive impact. And I pray that that decision really will come through, that there will be more discussion because it helps us here in the United Kingdom. I mm -hmm. pray that um, you will, I mean, if the Christians in America stand, that will help us to stand and to turn the, and to turn the cultural tide. If there is a great awakening in America, I pray that, I pray that it will save the West. I mean, in, by, in, God, in, in the way that God works, mm -hmm. there, there will be a contagion. It will embolden the Gideon's army still further. There is an arm, There is a Gideon's army here in the United Kingdom. You know, um, the, but it is very hard, you know. The U.S. Yeah. inherited our Christianity, in a sense, uh, from England because the, the ones we call pilgrims came from England. George Whitfield, the great preacher of the First Great Awakening, yeah. came from England. And John Wesley. John Wesley. Charles. Maybe, maybe God's going to send it the reverse direction now. Maybe it's going to sweep America and then please, come back and restore please, England. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Andrew, I have a question. Amazing. I have a question for you, if I could. You know, um, it seems like that the forces, the freedom of speech is in jeopardy today. And, and those forces that are in favor of restricting free speech somehow seem to be the same ones that are opposed to Christianity. Do you think that the gospel is essential to freedom of speech in a nation? And are you seeing that same thing in, in the UK? Is it the LGBTs and the Muslims and, and the, the Marxists that are against free speech? Absolutely. I mean, they, they can, uh, it, it's at, they, they, they shut you down, they take you off the platforms. Um, if you, we've had one of our most egregious cases was of this beautiful young actress called Shea Muba. She was, um, she was playing on the West End stage. She, um, Nigerian British. She's got the voice of an angel, it's such a powerful voice. She did her showcase at the end of her um, acting, uh, at acting college, acting school. And she was picked, she was, they were about 20 agents requested her. Stunning, love the Lord Jesus. She then, um, she then does really well for two or three years. She then gets asked to pay the part she auditions for the part of Nettie, who's Sally's sister in um, a production called The Color Purple. And for her, this, this, the, the Color Purple is a song all about um, the, uh, the black struggle in, actually during the American Civil War and a woman finding herself and writing um, stories to God. What she didn't realize, having read this as a young black woman growing up in East London, uh, what she didn't realize is that it's become a, a gay, iconic novel for Nettie's relationship with another woman that she, uh, within, this, um, within, within the novel. When she got, she, she auditioned for the, the part of the sister, she got the main part. <laughs> the, those that were casting gave her the main part. She was announced. And then after she was announced, a lead actor in Hamilton, who's a gay activist, had looked through all her web posts, all her um, social media posts, and he found a four-year-old post, four or five-year-old post, 
which talked where she spoke about her belief in marriages between a man, one man and one woman. That was how God, um, God made it. She was asked to denounce that, to retract it. She refused to retract it. So they took away her post. There was then a massive media siege that came uh, came against her. Death threats came against her, and her agent uh, dropped her. Mm. And she's been unable to get work in the West End ever since. That's a shame. So, boy, we are in the so, end. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that, we're at back cases on appeal, it, but trawling through a young woman's media posts to find out, knowing that she was a Christian, to find out of what she'd said, and then to pull that up from when she was a, like a sort of a 16 or 17, she'd written something. And you know, this and, isn't and limited <laughs> to the U.S. or to the U.K. Over in the Netherlands, yeah. we just had the, uh, yeah. what do they call them, member of parliament there that she yeah. had post-drug up from nine or mm. ten yeah. years ago. It's a spirit of antichrist, yes. and there is no freedom of opinion or freedom of speech among the Marxists, the LGBT, all of that stuff. Yeah. Christianity is the only one that really gives people freedom of speech, right. and our, we're under attack. We've yeah. got to stand against That's that. That's it. I'm wondering, An it. Andrea, you have uh, quite a few resources available to people, and I understand you have a book that's out. Yes, well, we have, in fact, we have a whole publishing house called World Force Publications, but we also have this amazing book, uh, Ruler of Kings by Joseph Boot, who's um, uh, uh, one of the um, heads up our World Force Academy. So there, there, there's that book. And he's, um, so we have that book and many others on the many other books that uh, act as resources around all of the issues that we've talked about in the last half an hour or so. So do visit our website and World Force Publications and do join, do join us at Christian Concern just as um, you're on the Truth, Truth and Liberty mailing list. Do, do, do join us to really get ahead of what's happening in the United Kingdom because as Andrew have said this evening, what comes first um, in the United Kingdom, it follows quickly in the United States. So it's good it's good to get the heads up. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I'd like to encourage our people that this isn't a U.S. or a U.K. or a Netherlands issue. It's good versus evil. It's body of Christ versus Satan, and we're yes. supposed to stand together. And again, if the body of Christ was one, then the world would be one. But our lack of standing up for each other is one of Satan's uh, ways that he's able to do things. Amen. So we need to take some questions here. Have we got any questions that have come sure. in for Andrew? We, we do. Um, uh, well, Andrew, this is uh, for probably you and a Andrea, but uh, this guest asked on chat, Jesus said in John 15, 18, that the world will hate us. What does this mean? It means they will hate us. All right. <laughs> and you know, I, I could put another scripture with that. Jesus said in John chapter 3, right after the famous scripture, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world, he goes on to say that I am come into the world not to condemn the world. The condemnation is that light has come and darkness hates light. Mm. And he said, those that are in the dark hate the light because their deeds will be reproved. So really, it's not personal. It's not that people, you know, here in the, in the area that we're in, Richard knows yeah. this because he's our chief counsel, and we have been sued, we have been maligned, we have lots of things happening, but it's really not personal about me. It's the fact that I'm shining the light. 
when I say that this is good and this is evil, and, and it's exactly opposite what the world is saying. The reason they're fighting against us is because they don't want their deeds exposed, is what Jesus said. So back to that question, yes, uh, they hate us, and Jesus said that it would happen, and if they hated him, yeah, they, he said that how in the world could we think that somehow or another we're going to be more attractive to the world than what Jesus was? That It's an honor to be rejected by the ungodly. You know, Andrea, you were talking about how the churches there uh, want to just show uh, kindness, or I forget the word you used, uh, to people and not get engaged on these issues. Um, but, but Andrew, you've talked about this, how the, the, the Bible actually says that if you love your brother, you will Absolutely. warn them. Absolutely. I mean, I think I just before I came, um, came on air with you this evening, I, I was reading Matthew 10, and I know... Uh, it sounds a little bit like I've got a bee in my bonnet. It's because I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet at the moment about this brother against brother, um, because it's really hitting me because it's true. Uh, in terms of this next level uh, of what I'm seeing, uh, it's no longer liberal Christians, but it's the people that really know the word of God that are not standing. And in, in Matthew 10, um, it says, I mean, Jesus just really doesn't hold back at all. First of all, uh, he talks about, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have le le leprosy, drive out demons, freely you receive, freely give. So this incredible ex exhortation. Um, but I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils Well, that's happening. And be flogged in the synagogues. That's happening. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But that when they arrest you, and that's happening in the United Kingdom, do not worry about, about what you have to say, for the Father will give you the words. But it's brother will betray brother to death. And a father his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Mm. Um, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. These are breathtaking words. Yeah. I mean, they need to be understood and unpacked and contextualized, but they are absolutely breathtaking words about the seriousness of this gospel message that we have to bring. and. And the fact that eternity hangs on it, that we don't need to be worried if people hate us or flog us or take away our jobs. That's not because there's someone else that we that the whole that we are working for because we long for people to know Jesus Christ and His truth and eternal life. And you know, Jesus and made it. One of these words that said, Jesus made it very yes, clear in that passage that you said. That he says, "Don't fear those who can only kill your body." It's really fear. Yes. It's causing Christians to bow mm. to the demands of the ungodly. Jesus said you should fear him who's able to destroy yeah. both body and soul. And you know, a scripture that's really come alive to me since this pandemic is Psalms chapter 36, verse 1, where it says, The transgression of the wicked says within my heart that there's no fear of God before their eyes. 
These people who are standing and blatantly saying that you can become a woman if you choose to feel like a woman or it doesn't matter what your biology says, the ones who are coming against marriage and just everything, they have no fear of God. And this fear of man is just an epidemic. It's yes. a pandemic and we need to fear God more than we fear man and their rejection. Amen. You know, I was reading this morning in 2 Timothy, and I think Paul there said that there in the, in the last days there will be those who have a form of godliness but yeah. deny the power of We're there. And, and these people, even in evangelical churches, are denying God's power to meet our needs, aren't they? Absolutely. They're denying that God is able to protect us, to uh, satisfy us, you know, with love and peace. And so they're conceding, just like you said, they're giving in to the pressure of the world. And you know, another scripture that's often misquoted is Revelation chapter 12, where it says, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and their word of their testimony. And that's true, that's what it says, but it goes on to say in that same verse, and they love not their life unto the death. Mm. We've got a lot of Christians today that love themselves more than they love God, and they are not willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. And I tell you, we're in a, we're in a time where it's gonna cost you mm -hmm. to be a Christian. Yeah. It really is. Absolutely. Well, well uh, here's a here's a uh, more or an interesting question, a little bit of a different track. But it says here, Americans have constitutional rights. What legal basis does a British Christian have for religious liberty? How does that work in in England? What do they rely on? What do you rely on when you say someone's religious liberty has been violated? Yes. Well, you know, we have this great, great Christian heritage. This great heritage dating right back to the Magna Carta, where, the, where you know, which was, was written um, by, um, well, dated with King Alfred, written by Stephen Langton, where you have this, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, where you have this great idea of every man is subject, no man is above the law, and the law is the common law, and it's biblical law. And so law comes from God, and we're all subject to the law. Mm. Even the king is subject to the law. So this was a, a this this this, a, that, this has anchored our law since the beginning, uh, really since since the since legal codes came into the United Kingdom. And against that backdrop, the common law of of our country, we've we've set it by precedent law. So we we don't have a, a constitution. We, we we've set it by precedent making um, over many. Oh, over centuries, all, un, all undergirded um, by this framework of an idea of a common law which stems from biblical law. Recent, more recently, after the war, we've had an idea of human rights-based legislation and adopted a Human Rights Act, which begins to ride over our understanding of common law. And that's where we've begun um, to see some of the difficulties come in. But within the Human Rights Act. We adopt the European Convention on Human Rights, which says that we are free to manifest our faith and free, free to speak. You know, before the broadcast, you were sharing with us about Prince William, how he got up and spoke at the Queen's Jubilee and was talking about climate change and different things like this. And issues like climate change and what they're calling human rights and equality, they're beginning to erode freedoms in the name of these other issues. And uh, I see that happening in the UK. Uh, I've spoken over there some things about climate change and had Christians just rebel. 
big time to even challenge that. I mean, they believe it nearly exclusively, and same thing's beginning to happen here. It's uh, now they're, it's making inroads. This is why we're in the gas shortage that we're in, mm -hmm. and things like this is because Biden is pushing us getting totally away from fossil fuels, and it is hurting the U.S. economy. And I mean, it's just terrible the things that are happening in there. They're, you know, like the scripture says, they transform themselves into an angel of light. Mm -hmm. They come up that they got these issues that they consider to be justification for taking away freedoms. But George Washington said, if you give up freedoms, even though you might gain something in the short term and accomplish something ultimately, you'll never get those freedoms back. It's a slippery slope. We've mm -hmm. got to avoid that stuff. Yeah. And I think that these things actually become, you know, we're told to steward the earth. But what happens is that these things become like a new religion. Yeah. So um, the promotion of, you know, the promotion of the LGBTI ideology, we're now in the month of June, so it's Pride Month. Flags fly everywhere. On all our supermarket checkouts, they're all promoting Pride. Everyone has um, Pride, the, Pride lapel pins. Uh, so you go, it, all our hospitals, flying pride flags, all, all the local councils flying pride flags. That is like a religion. Yes. Um, and similarly with climate change, you've got to be, you know, you've got to want, um, you've got to be promoting climate change. You've got to, you, you've got to get, want to get down to sort of net zero carbon. You've got to want to do these things and you've got to say that you adhere to it like a religion to sense Questioning is forbidden. Yeah. Because that immediately it makes you a denier. It makes you a hater. And they shame and you. Yes. Yeah. They, they shame so, you, and it's just total rejection and it's intimidation. But if we got to where we feared God more than we feared man, we can stand up against that. That's right. We got time for can another question. I just question. say, when I took, Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yes. On the, on the, I was just going to say that on the, you know, where do our laws come from? And, and you mentioned uh, Prince William, and, and we pray that he really, really comes to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ and his dad, Prince Charles, too. But, you know, the Queen. Um, whose platinum jubilee we celebrated for four days here in this country. When she came to the throne, this is this is what's imbibed in our culture. This is why it's hard. We haven't got this constitution as as you do. But what we have is the coronation oath. So the coronation oath says this: the archbishop, so it's the the national church, says to the queen, "Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God?" and the true profession of the gospel. Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law? She then is presented with a Bible, our gracious queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes we present you with this book, the most valuable thing this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. And then the queen, having been given the Bible, delivers the Bible back to the altar. And now that's the vow. Hmm. That is, you know, the, the idea of the monarchy in our nation 
but what just imbibes the culture. That's how we have prayers in Parliament every day, historically. Um, because our nation gave reverence to the position of Christ within our institutions, within our schools, within our hospitals. We have abandoned that. But that, that, that coronation oath, I believe, is a picture of how and why God has so blessed our nation. Yeah. Because we sought to put his name, the name of Jesus, the gospel of God, at the heart of our institution. Indeed, as America did, right with, it, with the founding fathers. And that, again, is why America has been so great. And Absolutely. God bless America. Yeah, that's right. And God, um, you know, but, that is, but when we forget, when we forget, when we substitute the gods, when we substitute God, when we substitute the gospel, uh, then we find ourselves in deep danger, which is where I think both nations are now. You know, I was but, over there during the Great Awakening. <laughs> I was over there during the Queen's 60th anniversary, yes. and I watched a lot of it on television. And I heard a speech by uh, Queen Elizabeth that I mean, it was the gospel. That mm. woman preached the gospel. Amen. So I agree that you've got precedent, but you know the thing that the Americans did. Uh, there were godly kings in the in England and stuff, but it was kind of at the whims of the thing. And if Queen Elizabeth, when she passes, she's now 96, William and Charles are not Elizabeth. And so all of this is subject to change. Whereas in America, they decided that they were not going to make it based on a person and how they chose to interpret it. They put things into law and in constitution. So that's in a nutshell kind of the difference is that you've got a lot of godly precedent there, but it's kind of up to the people whether they adhere to it, whereas we have laws that are supposed to force us to do it. But sad to say, we've got people that are twisting the laws and writing their own constitution. So it's not a perfect system. But no, even our own founders ahead. said that uh, the, our constitution is only adequate for a moral yes, and religious absolutely. people. John and, Quincy Adams. Yeah, and uh, it's just a piece of paper to the ungodly and the lawless. That's right. And he says that if you, if you ever forsake morality, that the ungodly would break through our laws like a fish or a whale yeah. goes through a net, yeah. that there's not enough laws. Morality is the basis of all freedom, whether it's in the UK or any country. And man, we've got to maintain morality. You know, Andrea, here we're we're talking a lot about biblical worldview, and Andrew's got a new product uh, that's that's out and continuing to be developed on the various aspects of a biblical worldview. And I'm curious because it seems to me it's it's just fundamental here uh, as our population loses the biblical worldview and embraces more of this materialistic, secular, ungodly view. Is that uh, being discussed at all in churches and Christian circles in, in England? Is there any uh, effort to develop that kind of resource and material for people? Well, we are trying to do that. So I think that we are very much one heart and one mind, um, uh, Richard, uh, over here. We, I mean, that's why, as I say, um, it's my joy to be sitting here in the middle of the night with the backdrop of London <laughs> behind me. Yes. It's my joy because I see one heart, one mind. I see unity in what we're seeking uh, to do. I follow what you do, and I love what you do. And yes, the need, the, but you, it's the need for the leaders, those that shepherd the flock, to really have a fully all biblical worldview and to be training the people in their congregations to, 
to be able to go out with a fully orbed worldview into the marketplace day in, day out. It's missional, it's, it's gospel imperative. Uh, we can't we can't put our we can't put untrained Christians or our children onto the cold face of the cultural battle. We send our kids into schools where they're on yeah. the cold face of the cultural battle. And we have to give them a fully all you know worldview. We've got a well all Christians in general in all they might be courageous. If they're not taught, how can they know? Yeah. Amen. So, Andrea, I just did a uh, live stream over in the UK, and we had tens of thousands of people watch it, and we have a lot of people. Uh, our ministry in the UK is the largest ministry we have outside of the U.S., and we have, I don't know, uh, anyway, it's a great response over there. So, my point is, I think that things are changing over there. Uh, I and know I pray that your ministry here will grow from strength to strength. Amen. Amen is amazing and I pray that we will see we will see this rising and we will see this change and ministers that are associated and affiliated with you that we will see a grand awakening from that place. I pray that that will be so we should, because surely we need it. Amen. We, you know here at Christy Concern we you know we are a you know we're a legal political media organization. We need the move, you know, longing to raise up the church, longing to see the church awakened. We need the move of God. We need the God to breathe on it. And wouldn't it be amazing if that came from the Karis output that hey we man. have here? Well, Andrea, we've only got one minute left, so I'm, I'm sorry we're going to have to break in, but we sure appreciate you getting up at 1 o'clock or staying up until 2 o'clock <laughs> England time to be with us. And we pray and believe that God is going to continue to use you. And if there's anything Amen. we can do to help you, you let us know. Amen. I also want to thank CTN for carrying us again on their network. What a blessing that is. And uh, we do this every Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And we would encourage you to join with us. And we have people from like Andrea from all over the world. And I think that this really helps to see that we aren't in this alone, that there's people in every nation of this world. God's raising up people. And we pray that you are one of them. Again, you can go to our website at, at truthandliberty.net and participate and become a partner with us. And we would love to have you join us. Thank you for being with us tonight. God bless you. Good night. God will come through. Miracles are waiting for you, but not if you stay in the boat. You're going to have to step out of the boat, and you're going to have to take a step of faith and start walking on the water. We all know that God has gifted us, and we know that we are responsible for what we do with that gifting. We must rebuild the United States of America, this constitutional republic under God. The time is now. We cannot wait any longer. us a nation that was founded on biblical principles. This nation could not exist without the gospel. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 